Hello and welcome to the We Love Betting Weekend Preview in association with Gambler. Hi guys, hope you're well. Marco O'Hare here from We Love Betting and joined as ever by my true my two trusted betting buddies, Tom Love and Will Dyer. Uh, we're recording earlier this week. It's Wednesday night. We've just watched the Champions League, uh, but we'll be covering all the usual bits and bobs. Just uh, one of us has got a very important social engagement on Thursday, hence the early record. Uh, I'll let you guys guess who that might be. Uh, but yeah, lockdown measures are gradually being lifted. The sun's been out this week. The pub gardens are open. The world is slowly healing. Uh, as always, before we get to the important part of the show and the good, the good stuff, the bets, uh, listeners want to know a little bit more about you guys. Um, so we've done the drinks, we've done the dates, we've done the musical interests, we've also done happy places. What should we do next? Um, Favourite takeaways? Tom, being a man from the north, you're obviously a chips and gravy kind of guy. Oh, well, it's that's a bit stereotypical. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, curry sauce, gravy, all oh, it's fine with my fish and chips but obviously I've been from Bradford um, I think it's been named the curry capital of England about five years on the trot or something um, don't surprise me there's some stunning places to eat around here um, when you want in kind of Indian food or Bangladeshi food unreal so yeah love a curry it's kind of my go-to kind of we used to uh, on a Friday night we'd all ha- have like a takeaway curry and Bradford Bulls, the rugby league team, would be on Sky Sports on the Friday night. Um, those days are sadly no longer with us, but um, we we still managed to get uh, the odd curries in. But there's so many places up here. Um, so if you're ever in Bradford, do go for a curry, you must. Nice. like the sound of that. like a curry myself. Uh, Will, you're an adopted Londoner these days, so I'm going to put you down for, for the sushi. <laughs> uh, yeah, we didn't get briefed on this one, did we? So I, was, no. I was panicking about what am I going to say here. And sushi did cross my mind. But no, I'm a, more of an Indian uh, curry curry man as well, to be honest, mate. Um, Good. Some, probably, probably something a bit rogue, which I'm sure um, actual Indian people would probably think was horrendous. Something like a, a prawn dupiazza or some sagaloo, something like that. But yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that's that's my uh, that's my thing. Well, that's the that's the team dinner planned. Curry all round. Um, big thumbs up, yes. my end here. Annoyingly, there's not many de- decent Mexican joints around my area, but when in London, that's always a, a favourite of mine. A lovely spicy burrito. I'm actually, making myself hungry thinking about it. But uh, other than that, definitely an Indian for me. Uh, often an Indian at home because the missus likes a tie, but I normally get my way. So there we go. Um, let's get to the good stuff then. We're going to chat about Chelsea and Man City in the FA Cup semi-final on Saturday evening. That's on BBC One. We'll get lots of viewers this weekend. Um, I'd say these are probably the two best teams in the country right now, even if the league table doesn't suggest so. So really intrigued to see how this one plays out. Um, we've got Chelsea's 4-1 to one outsiders. Big price for a game on neutral territory. Man City 17-20. to 20, That's 1.85 to win in 90 minutes at Wembley. Tom, what's your view? Yeah, totally agree that Chelsea look a bit big here. One thing that I kind of have written down is I would not be back back in City at these quotes, <clears throat> despite their kind of really impressive performance data, everything that we know about them, mainly because of Chelsea's improvement under Tuchel. Uh, defensively, really solid. Obviously, they've played a a day before in the Champions League, both 
uh, teams were away from home. So Chelsea were in Seville and obviously Man City in Dortmund. Um, so really, you've got to give a bit of an edge to Chelsea in that regard. Um, the thing that probably is factored into the prices here a bit is the fact that both teams can rotate. Um, it's basically who, whose second string is stronger than the other. And to be honest, I don't think there's that much in it. Um, if it was kind of Man City against the Liverpool, I could understand the price. Um, but at Chelsea have probably a squad depth to rival Man City. Uh, probably the second best in terms of depth in the league. So, really, I don't think that there's an awful lot between the sides. Obviously, we're not privy to to the team lineups. I'd expect a couple of changes, but not kind of eight, nine, ten changes. I'd, I'd expect kind of Sterling probably going to come in. Uh, Gabriel Jesus for Man City. Cancelo probably come back in too. Chelsea can make all sorts of changes, especially in forward areas. Um, but it... As much as I kind of look at the attacking talent that will be on show here, you'd think it should be conducive to a good game, kind of an open game, but I, just, I can't see it. Um, I, I like the uh, price about under 2.5 goals with Skybet, even money. I thought that would be odds on. Um, I kind of probably favour unders over the over 2.5, if I'm totally honest, if they were kind of... 10 to 11 each of two, I'd still go with the unders. Um, Chelsea have seen under two and a half land in five of the six home league games under Tuchel. And kind of, if we just look at their record overall under him, take out the last two games against West Brom, which was a, a crazy game, kind of a, a real outlier. And the Palace game, which to be fair, Chelsea absolutely boss, but Palace uh, pretty much on the beach. Um, they, they've been keeping games very tight and I can see something similar here it's going to be interesting to see if if Chelsea kind of manage to dominate the ball like they want to against Man City I think it'll be two teams that want the ball uh, want to dictate play so I kind of think they might cancel each other out a little bit and uh, I think the respect from Tuchel to Guardiola and vice versa personally between them both, it's very strong from what I've been reading about. And, yeah, I just think it's going to be a very tight game. Uh, I don't mind the draw at the prices. It would probably be my bet, the draw, if I was going in the one by 2 um, But, yeah, my main bet will be going under 2.5. It's landed in 60% of Man City's away league games as well this season. I appreciate this is a cut, but that's where you have your kind of greater sample size. So, yeah, my bet's the unders. I couldn't put anyone off the 12-1 to 1 with Skybet on nil-nil either for all the reasons that we've mentioned in the past. Um, so I'd probably have half a unit on the nil-nil as well, if I'm honest, or half a unit, quarter of a unit, something like that. Um, given it's around 8-1 to one in some places, it's strange to see such a difference in a correct score price. Usually I go to the no-goal scorer here, but... That's only 9-1, to one, so I'd, I'd rather chance a bit of a bigger price on the nil-nil. Um, so, yeah, it, I don't want it to be disappointing, but it is a semi-final. Tuchel will be looking at that as a, a chance to get a, a cup under his belt. And, yeah, I think it'll be quite a 
tactical chess match, this, and it wouldn't surprise me if it's a low-scoring draw, but uh, the unders is the way to go for me. Yeah, I, I wholeheartedly agree. A lot of the points you've made, I've made down myself in that match too, which is good to see. They were both aligned. Will, Chelsea City, what have you got for us? Yeah, I, I didn't really have any opinions on um, total goals or anything, but um, did I did think actually that I sort of, something that me and a couple of guys at work, I'm conscious I always go on about guys at work. <laughs> but um, Oh, you're other friends. Yeah, yes, exactly. <laughs> But something we we often do is like these uh these little like tissue prices joke or sort of like um you know tests to each other like uh without looking at the price just give me what what price is City to to beat Chelsea at Wembley on on the weekend and um yeah like we'd uh, we'd all gone have gone a bit a little bit shorter I I I said about four to six um just based off sort of ballpark uh sort of odds that I've seen them at against similar opposition lately so. I don't know. I thought they were actually that they'd be a bit shorter than they are, but um, I'm still not really willing to get get with them even at four to five. Really, to be honest, um, I agree that it's it's probably quite a tricky one to call. Um, and Chelsea have obviously done exceptionally well as well in in cup competition lately. Lately, at least, um, perhaps underachieved in the league, I guess you could say. Um, so, wondering if whether they can carry over that sort of cup mentality further. Um, yeah, or whether City can sort of keep this ever-increasing realistic claims of a, a quadruple alive. Um, looked at sort of the players, there's not really any real major injuries. Uh, Kovacic is out but it's for Chelsea, but um, not really anyone worth worrying about. And Aguero and Laporte for for City, but they don't seem to need Aguero anymore these days. Um, and countless centre-backs, so... So no real like personnel issues on either side. Um, I felt City's loss to Leeds was just one of those that just sort of happens and Leeds didn't do too much bar a couple of real quality takes from Stuart Dallas that stole those points. So that defeat doesn't really come into my thinking. Just one result that was the one result that did kind of make me question them actually was the, the first leg against Dortmund. Um, I didn't actually watch it tonight. I watched the Liverpool Real Madrid game and I just knew that would be the worst game. I don't know why I did that. <laughs> um but yeah, that that first leg wasn't wasn't that pretty. Um, and they gave them a lot of problems, Dortmund. Um, and yeah, I guess um, they've navigated it well tonight in the end. Um, although maybe were at halftime at least under not looking too great. Um, but yeah, as I was sort of doing my research for this game, I, I didn't know that final score in Dortmund, which made things like a little bit difficult. But um, City were six to five to win at Stamford Bridge in January, and they obliged three one. I guess Lampard was still at the helm then, and um, he would only uh, for oversee another three more games against Fulham, Leicester, and Luton uh, before before being ousted. And then um, since then, yeah, I guess Tuchel's come in and, and done a great job. Really, um, that one nil Porto win on Tuesday night against them was nothing really to be worried about. Largely a game, I guess, a game plan that they'd had and uh, it worked bar sort of a late screamer bicycle kick for, for Porto. So the one that did concern me was that five, two loss to the baggies. Um, and they hadn't conceded at home in five, in seven matches since uh, took or took over um, until Matthews Pereira lobbed Mendy in that, in that game. And then obviously that Thiago silver red card was a key reason, but you don't really often see a team of Chelsea's standard, like ship, that many goals even when a man down um so that kind of concerned me and 
Um, after the red, the confidence just flowed for, for West Brom. And yeah, um, so City obviously represent the toughest challenge really since Tuchel's arrived, but they have beat, been unbeaten against Spurs, Liverpool, United, Atleti, almost against Porto. So, um, and one thing I noted as well, in all of those matches against those five sides I've just listed there, they've had the most attempts at goal against all of those t- sides in every game. Um, which is interesting. Actually, maybe not in that Porto game just now, but um, prior to that, those sort of five, six other matches against those sides. So one player that had been getting a lot of attempts, and a few people have picked up on this in recent weeks as well, is obviously Kai Havertz, who's been starting as a striker. Um, In his last four Premier League starts, he's had five shots, four, two, and three. Uh, I think in one game, he even had four shots on target. But so far, any Skybet have um, shot prices up at the moment, and I don't, I don't really love the evens about three shots or or the three to one about two on target with Sky. I would expect someone else might go a little bit better than that. Um, so instead, for now, I'll put up um, Havertz to score anytime. Um, this one's with uh, Grosvenor Sport, or basically anyone who has the Canby um, offering. I won't name exact names <laughs> there's a few um so 11 to 2 about kai Havertz scoring anytime you can get 9 to 2 a better way but obviously i'd much rather that 11 to 2 um city's defensive record has, has weakened a little lately just seven clean sheets in the last 17 in all comps um including tonight i think i've included tonight in that so yeah um Fancy, fancy, like I guess, yeah. There is a bit of juice in Chelsea's price. It sounds like when you when you read it out like that, and I think potentially Havertz hasn't got amongst the goals that he should have um, so far with with how far forward he's playing. Um, I did note that Mike Dean had the whistle Wembley as well, and yeah, he's. I had been getting kind of excited about cards because the line is over three point five is evens with bet three six five, but. Um, I looked into his record in the FA Cup and he's not given four or more cards in any of his last eight matches and that he's officiated in the FA Cup. Um, And he only averages 2.84 cards per game in that competition. Uh, That's through 55 games as well. So not not sort of insignificant um, compared to 4.11 in the Premier League. So quite a big drop off. Um, So I'll leave that. I'm not not prepared to jump in with that stat in mind. So, yeah, so just have it to score any time at 11-2 for me. Good stuff. Okay, let's move on. Uh, Tom put out his usual poll this week to see which game you guys wanted to cover from Europe. Uh, pretty competitive this week with Atalanta, Juventus just edding, edging out uh, Napoli against Inter Milan. Two terrific games in Italy on Sunday. Uh, Atalanta Juve is at 2 p.m. BST. Atalanta a little bit bigger than six to four, which is 2.5 if you shop around. Juventus nine to five, that's 2.8. Will I'll stay with you? What's your view and what's your best bet? Yeah, this one's a, a dress rehearsal as well for the Coppa Italia final next month, um, which is the only silverware that either of these sides are playing for now. And, you know, all sides really playing for places, I guess, after Tom's pick, Inter, smashing it over the last two months, 11 Serie A wins in a row. So the, the Scudetto is pretty much tied up there. Um, so, yeah, it's just basically playing for between se- second and even down to sixth. Um, Lazio... Uh, are not really out of a, they're not completely out of the chances of Champions League football yet as well with a game in hand. So both sides, I guess, conscious that Champions League football is not yet assured. Um, so therefore, plenty, plenty uh, keen to win this one, I guess. Um, as much as I think 
I think Juve have been pretty poor this season. I guess maybe that's just a, the sort of way you'd look at it when they've won nine titles in a row and then they've dropped off like this. Um, so maybe that just had the wrong sort of outlook on it. They're actually superior ratio, XG ratio to, to Atalanta, 69% compared to 63%. Um, and it, maybe that's a result of quite different styles. Like Juve have conceded 11 less than Atalanta, but La Dia have um, scored 10 more than than Juve. So it's, yeah, it's maybe a bit of a difference in styles as well that, that causes this. Um, but when I saw the when I saw the prices, like you say, nine to five on the Bianconeri, um, I thought I thought that was quite a bit quite juice juicy price to be honest. But um, when you think when you think that they're better on the XG ratios, um, and they should really have won in um, in the previous meeting with I think Ronaldo missed a penalty. So yeah, um, I did did a little bit of reading on what's going on at Juve. They announced today that. Morata will probably sign for another season-long loan. Um, there have been loads of sort of rumours around a few other strikers, Duvan Zapata even actually from from it, Atalanta and Griezmann maybe, and I don't think any of those are going to come to fruition. In addition as well, it looks like they'll just kind of focus on younger players. I think um, Locatelli will probably come in from Sassuolo, according to Gazetta. So uh, with maybe... One one area that I think that they really need to improve on is midfield. I just don't feel like there's any real world class talent in there, and I think players like Rabiot and Ramsey might might depart to cover some new newcomers like Locatelli. Um, as for Gasparini's men, they've they've been pretty much informed themselves, winning winning nine of the last twelve in all competitions, and the three defeats that they've had have come at the hands of um, what I guess we're all realizing is a pretty much um, underrated Real Madrid. Uh, two of those defeats were to them and then the other was to Inter and in that game against Inter actually they had much the better of the chances um, only undone by a corner which Skriniar pounced on in the box so some fine margins for them and um, yeah I, I always just seem to get Atalanta wrong um, so I can't really back Juve with, with any conviction but um, they Atalanta are missing Romero, uh, Hatabur and Pessina so a bit of defensive kind of sided players, um, some of them testing positive for coronavirus, I think. Um, bit of issues there. While Juve have got Bernadeschi out through coronavirus as well, but Bonucci comes back from the same sort of merry-go-round of testing. So um, I don't think, yeah, on, on Juve, I don't think Pirlo's done a good, great job, really. Um, not from maybe a tactical nor a mentality perspective. One thing that wouldn't surprise me is if we saw uh, Atalanta score first. They've won 15 of 30 first halves this season, um, which if that did happen, um, yeah, Juve have been in a deficit situation 10 times where they've been behind. Um, they've got a one, two, drawn four, lost four record from those losing positions. So all sorts of stats stats combined. I, I, I still feel like Juve had a, a bit of the value here, but I'm not going to back them just on the win. I think Atalanta are dangerous. I'll back Juve um, at 11-10 to 10, uh, plus zero Asian handicap, so like the draw no bet market. Um, I won't go into the ref because I've spoken for quite a while, but uh, yeah, I'll leave it at that. So just Juve plus zero Asian handicap at 11-10 to 10 with bet 365. Interesting. Tom, what's your view? Do you follow Will in and sort of support the old lady? No, um, 
Um, I'm I'm all about goals, to be honest. Here. I don't really care who wins. Um, <laughs> both teams to score and over two and a half goals, four to five, with bet three six five. And usually you'd look at that price and be a bit like, you, you don't really want odds on for that, but it's got its merits here. And really, it's it's all about Atalanta just going back to what they're what they're about under Gasparini. Um, They've actually seen overs copping 80% of the home games this season. Um, been a, always been a good place for goals in Bergamo um, in the last couple of years, and it's not changed at all this season. And I think the fact that they're no longer in the Champions League or, or in Europe gives them more time to kind of prepare and just feel more refreshed. And so they've got some verb about them going forward. They did kind of lose it a little bit in the in the middle of the season um but the the bang back on it now and um yeah the the, the last six games at home i'll just read you the results one three 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 four two five one three one three two so they've all seen over three and a half cop uh they've all seen btts cop as well so you did back this blind in in all of those games then then you'd have uh seen the cash and really, you can't trust this side to keep a clean sheet against anyone. I mean, they've conceded against some poor teams this season, especially at home, weirdly. I think when whenever they're on the road, they might be a little bit more pragmatic. But if you just look at some of the teams they've conceded to at home, Parma, Cagliari, uh, Cagliari, Sampdoria, Udinese, Spezia, Crotone, Torino... Um, they're just not keeping clean sheet. They've only kept one clean sheet at home this season against Genoa, in fact. Um, sorry, three clean sheets. And one of them was against Fiorentina, who were badly out of form. So, yeah, I think that Juventus as well. It, it's interesting that Will says that people have got this kind of negative outlook on how their season's gone. And I, I've kind of thought that without following it too in-depth. But... Really, if you look at their recent record, they've been scoring plenty of goals too. Um, I mean, they've scored three versus Crotone, three versus Spezia, three versus Genoa, three versus Lazio, three versus Cagliari, and two versus Torino in a, around the last 10 games. So they're the scoring plenty of goals, and obviously Ronaldo's a big factor in that. But it's the defence that, again, it's just... Whether it's these COVID issues they keep getting, they're, they're not really settling on a backline. And it, it's shown no clean sheet in the last six. So, yeah, I just think it's from Atalanta's point of view, they're not going to win the league, I don't think. Um, that's pretty much wrapped up with, with Inter just being so consistent. Um, so, I think it, they're not going to change their tactic. It's not like there's loads of pressure on them, particularly. And even if there was, I don't think that they're going to just end up being quite defensive like they were sometimes in the Champions League. Um, but yeah, they'll benefit from kind of a week off. And I just think goals are a great way to go here. The Asian goal line set at three, which I can understand. But this way, if you just backed BTTS and overs, if you had 2-1 either way, then, then you get the the full payout. Whereas if you just backed it over three and it ended 2-1, then you'd just get a void. Um, but I couldn't put anyone off it. But yeah, there's not really anything else that I'm, I'm looking at here. I'm not sure on the ref with it being so 
early. I'm not sure if that's uh, even been brought out yet. Um, but this is one way you could chuck a few things in a deck builder if you've got a good ref like both teams to score. Maybe the classic, the old classic bet that I love, the corners and cards and goals angle. But yeah, my best bet here, um, both teams to score on over two and a half goals, four to five. I think that it's got plenty of um, merit. Yeah, good case. Well made, as always. Um, right, let's get down to business. Naps, next best, long shots and everything else. Starting with the latter, Will, your long shot, please. Yeah, I've got quite a one that's quite excited me this weekend and um, I had backed him tonight to score um, against Man City it's Jude Bellingham and he scored tonight at 12 to 1 um, against them um, it was 12 to 1 was available with Skybet and Betvictor he's they're playing against Werder Bremen on Sunday at 2.30 and he's 11 to 1 to score with SBK um, or 15 to 2 with with some more Conventional bookies like Bet Victor and Skybet again. So obviously try and get a hold of that eleven to one if you can, if you fancy it. But otherwise, fifteen to two or a bit north of around that is available. Um, for reference, he's only eleven to four to score with Bet three six five. I think we're just going to start seeing um, chipping in regularly on the goals front. That's now two in a row. He scored against Stuttgart at the weekend. Scored against City just now, and he he scored in the first leg, but it was ruled out for some alleged um, roughing, I guess, on Edison, which totally shouldn't have happened. So that could have been three consecutive games with a goal. Um, yeah, and like during early March, he had to play a bit of a deeper role or from early March prior because um, Emre Chan was playing at centre-back. But now Chan's back in midfield for the last sort of eight games or so because uh, of the return of Manuel Kanji in, uh, from injury. So it's given Bellingham and... Mahmoud Dahoud, licensed to, to roam around a bit more for, for Dortmund. Um, also as a result of Axel Witzel and Jaden Sancho being out. So they've generally just chopped around formations that didn't also just didn't really work very well in the first half of the season. So they've seen them switch from like a, a 4-2-3-1 to like a 4-1-4-1 or even a 4-3-3 that they played against City tonight. Um, as far as I can tell, like I said, I didn't watch the game, but... Um, yeah, so they're not really playing with two deep line midfielders. And I think Bellingham's, you know, he's only 17. They're sort of still working out what's his best sort of position, I would, I guess. Um, and another thing with him as well is uh, that Thomas Delaney didn't feature again. He didn't even make the squad actually tonight. So, but that's happened in the last, uh, either side of the first leg against City. He played 90 minutes in the Bundesliga. So I think Delaney will, be, will play the defensive role in midfield against Bremen. Um, and Bellingham will get a bit more license. Yeah, maybe just Edin Terzic um, is happy to sort of sacrifice Bellingham's defensive abilities for what he's clearly showing going forward. He hadn't scored in 23 matches until he bagged against Stuttgart. Um, so there's obviously some change um, change here that bookies haven't really picked up on yet. Um, and yeah, I mean, not really anything else to add to that, but just... Uh, an 11 to one shot on someone who's yeah in form yeah he is he was wonderful in both legs actually against man city and a beautiful goal there in the second leg too um tom your long shot please yeah i'm gonna go into league one again i think should be quite fun actually um mk dons against portsmouth i'm gonna take portsmouth and both teams to score at five to one with skybet 
a um, bit shorter than I'd, I'd usually put up for a long shot, but found it quite tough this week. Um, basically, Pompey are a team I, I'm happy to put my money to um, under Danny Cowley and Nicky Cowley. I think that that's a great appointment for them. Really excited to see what they can do in the next couple of years. Um, yeah, they, they've still got um, ambitions of kind of going up and I, I just think if I look at the two team squads I don't think there's too much in it but I just think with the Cowleys they've got a bit more experience as, as managers whereas um, Russell Martin this is his first real job um, but it's not to say that I, I don't like what he's doing I think he's been a, a real breath of fresh air for this MK Dons team who just try to play football in the right way. Um, I, I think a few people will have seen an interview with him where um, someone were kind of questioning if they could uh, adapt the style of play to, to kind of suit the opposition. And he was just not having none of it. He's like, no, nah, I, I want to play this way. And he's sticking to it. And since then, they, they went on a decent run. Um, but they've kind of hammered back down to earth uh, as Brennan Johnson, who's on loan from... Forrest at Lincoln, uh, smashing a hat-trick in about 15 minutes in a 4-0 win for Lincoln over MK midweek. So I just wonder if that's going to affect their confidence. Uh, There'll be a team to watch next season, for sure, but um, I'm happy to kind of get against them here. I just think the way that they do play, I think the teams that are well-managed against them um, can really exploit their weaknesses quite quite a lot. They seem to concede a lot of early goals as well, which is interesting. But I just think that the firepower that Pompey have with John Marcus, Ronan Curtis, Harness, um, I, I realise that they've got brought in George Byers from Swansea as well, which is an, a nice loan signing, which I must have missed. So plenty of plenty of quality in that midfield and, and up front for Pompey. I just think that. Uh, I'm more than happy to get them on side. But I, I think with MK, they're, they're always a goal threat, the way that they play. And it's going to take a while for kind of the Cowboys to get on top of the defensive side of it. They'll probably need a pre-season for that. So, yeah, I thought it was quite a nice price, 5-1. to one. I thought Portsmouth were quite a big price anyway, outright. I, I thought they'd be uh, pretty decent favourites. It's pretty much a pick them in, in this market. I think it might trend towards them. Um, as the weekend comes, but yeah, I'll, I'll take them to win them both teams to score, which is boosted to five to one with Skybet. Great stuff. I'm going to stay with you for your next best. Yeah, it's all about EFL for me this week, um, and one one game that I think that should be a, a really good watch is Morecambe against Oldham. I, I like the look of both teams to score at nineteen to twenty or one point nine five. That's with red zone. Um, a few few firms are quite significantly shorter than that, so it's, it's always worth having a look on Oddschecker or uh, any comparison sites to kind of get best price on these things. But yeah, Morecambe, yeah, I'm, I'm cheering them on now till the end of the season. I'm well documented. I, I think everyone in the world knows that I'm on them at 200 to 1 each way for the title. Um, they're currently in fourth. Great win of a Scunthorpe um, but I did think Scunthorpe made it very easy for them uh, in that game a really disappointing display by them uh, but it's going to give them confidence uh, the Scots 
they've kind of gone off the boil a little bit when it went to goals, but the kind of the players that they've got with Stockton kind of holding it up, and Mendes Gomez and O'Sullivan linking play, they've got they've got the strength in depth that they've just not had in previous seasons, and I think if you look at Oldham, they're they're a side that have just smashed in nine goals in the last two games. Um, obviously a great result at Crawley 4-1 and then put them up on, on the goal channel um, against Colchester and they won 5-2 in that. Uh, it's no surprise with uh, Dylan Bahambula back in the side who's a joy to watch. I've uh, watched him close against Bradford a couple of times this season. He, he just runs the show. Way too good for that level. Um, and Even though they lost Danny Rowe who went to Bradford They've still got a lot of strength in depth too up front with Kiwa Dunn, Conor McElhenney, who's another player who shouldn't be playing at this level, uh, and Bahambula. That's a frightening kind of front three to be coming up against. And the the only thing that ever puts me off Oldham with goals at the minute is probably Keith Curl, the manager, who's very different in his approach to Harry Kuehl, who was the manager before. But... I just think that he he's realised that the best form of defence is attack for, for this team because the, the quality defensively, I don't think it's there. Um, and really, they've got nothing to play for now, so they might as well um, kind of entertain the fans and get Curl in the good books because um, he is generally quite a pragmatic manager. But yeah, I just think that the, the way that both sides are playing at the minute Attack is definitely the best form of defence. And with Morecambe, the thing that's kind of worried me of late when I'm wanting them to do well is their defence. When I look at the individuals in that back line, again, there's been a few people that they've brought in from uh, Bradford with Knight Percival and Kelvin Meller, who just aren't really good enough. Um, They have conceded, actually, in, in seven of the last eight at home. So... I can see BTTS being a good way in here. Um, two t- two teams that are top heavy, and hopefully more can come out with the win. Um, but I think they're a little bit short, if I'm honest, because Oldham pose a big threat. So both teams to score 19 to 20 will be my next best. A really nice price that up the shrimps. Um, will your next best? Yeah, nice. I was actually started thinking about betting that game, so glad I didn't in the end. But um, <clears> can get behind that one for sure. Um, Wigan versus Crew for me, Saturday, 3pm. Um, can't believe I'm back in Wigan when we sort of think about the first half of the season, but, but here we are. <laughs> it's a um, similar situation to, to their nearby neighbours, really, Bolton as well, I guess, with just to, uh, complete overhaul of the situation um, recently. New players, we had nine came in in January, 11 went out, mostly on sort of loans and frees. New ownership from a Bahrain-based group, um, manager has actually ever basically been the same uh, for quite a while now but um with liam richardson but yeah everything's been a cat- catalyst for an impressive sort of revival of late and for for me and swindon fans it's also a nice confirmation of just how terrible john sheridan is so um yeah looking at their their kind of players recently callum lang has scored eight since joining in january joe dudu's had two Derek Quir and Funso Ojo have played almost every, well, they have played every minute, sorry, of um, their matches since they joined. 20 matches for, for Derek Quir and, and 18 for Ojo uh, since they joined in the 
winter transfer window. And yeah, Viv Solomon Otterbor has also been a pretty key player um, that was brought in last summer. But um, I could go on, but basically it's just a different club completely. Um, and yeah, the only constant during those recent times has been Liam Richardson. So kudos to him. Um, Sunderland were deservedly beaten last time out. They had plenty on the line themselves, obviously, with uh, sort of desperation for automatic promotion um, for such a sleeping giant. But they took the lead um, through Charlie White, but against the run of play, really. And Wigan turned it around fairly easily. Will Keane could have had a couple more towards the end. Um, post-match, we sort of had Richardson focusing on keeping their, their feet on the ground. With Obviously, the goal of staying up is not completely achieved yet, but they're out of the relegation zone, which is pretty impressive given the, the form of the teams around them as well at the moment. Um, fair few teams right at the bottom picking up points. Um, yeah, and as for crew, obviously a lot of focus has been on uh, other issues which we won't go into, but been documentaries about recently. So it was quite hard to find news on the football um, with, a, with a sort of standard Google search. But I read about how David Artel had sort of felt he outsmarted Danny Cowley with a nil-nil at Pompey, um, which have, had been a result that had followed uh, the railway men's biggest home defeat in, in nearly 50 years, um, as they, they lost 6-0 uh, to Oxford United last Saturday. Um, so Artel sort of made a load of changes, six, six changes, um, and then ground out a nil-nil. Um, he... He's on a pro license course at the moment with Danny Cow- Danny and Nicky Cowley, um, where he's sort of done some tactical presentations. So he felt he had to change things or they would have known exactly his, his game plan. Um, so they, he seems pretty confident that um, he's outsmarted him there. But I would have said they deserve defeat, really. Will Jaskalainen saved a pen and a couple great attempts from Pompey. Um, so... I think it will give him a bit of a headache, really, I guess, now, sort of second-guessing um, how he wants to set up against the Latics. Do you sort of stick with those changes you made or do you revert back to those other personnel that might do better against lower opposition? Um, but the, the key thing for me here is we're at that point of the season where it's the sort of the nothing-to-play-for factor. Um, and I I had written a an article about this for We Love Betting back in 2015. I, I dug it out of the archives on the site, Mark, and uh, <laughs> Good yeah, <bad. laughs> yeah, found some found some stats that support my my theory my theory still. Um, back then, I'd I'd looked at the 2012 and 2013 seasons in in the, the top divisions across Europe, um, so Serie A, La Liga, Bundesliga, and Ligue 1, as well as the Premier League. I'd looked at a total of eight seasons and compared the bottom seven sides at with when there was 10 games to go, um, the bottom seven sides with the middle six sides. Um, and in half of those seasons, the middle six sides picked up less points than the bottom seven sides um, in the last 10 games of the season. Overall, the points per game for the bottom six, bottom seven was 1.05 compared to 1.17 for the middle six. So, Actually, still the mid six got got a few uh, points more across all of those divisions combined, but the Serie Serie A was a bit of a, an outlier, particularly. So, um, in general, it sort of seems to you could obviously at this stage of the season you're not going to blindly back every bottom seven club because depending on the scenarios or points tallies, some of them are completely out of it. So even some of them have nothing to play for already at, at this point of the season like Sheffield United, for example. So, um, 
I think I think if you can pick out certain matches, and I would really say that this is one. Crew have uh, they're about as mid table as it gets right now. They they're just, they're safe. They're ten points off of um, sixth place. They're not gonna they're not gonna make playoffs. Um, and we're gonna sort of flying. So it's one I wanted to take on. And I think well they're nineteen to ten to beat Crew um, with Bet Victor, and I think it's a pretty pretty big price. And I'll just take them on, take them to win. Yeah, it's a really good case. Very well made. I did look at Wigan's price earlier and thought they were a little bit large before I ran my numbers. But uh, there we are. Uh, let's move on to the naps then, the best part of the show. Back over to you then, Tom, for your best bet of the weekend. Yeah, I mentioned it'll be uh, an EFL selection. Straight up Exeter to beat Southend at 4-5 to five with William Hill. Um, I can understand why people will look at this and think, well, Southend have been on a decent run, haven't they? And their kind of data has been backing it up. And I agree, but that that makes the decision uh, to get rid of Mark Mosley one of the most bizarre in the in the season. Um, I don't really know. Someone's obviously just pressed the panic button with so little game time left, but they were on a real upward trajectory under him and. Really, if you'd have asked any South End fan kind of halfway through the season that they'd be in a situation where they could get out of it with kind of five, six games left, they'd have snapped your hand off. So really rash decision-making. I think there must be something deeper rooted there with that decision. Um, and bringing in Phil Brown is just... It just screams of kind of, well, we want to get someone with experience in who, who knows how to kind of motivate players, blah, blah, blah. But when players have been on a good run like they have under a manager and then he goes for reasons that they, they won't want to see that, they'd have wanted him to stay about because he's got a an obvious kind of connection with the players, been through a lot with them, but never really battered them in the press. He's, he's had to take a lot of flack, but I, I think he's done a, a great job. So seeing him go... The players will be annoyed with that, and I think it kind of might that might be the nail in their relegation coffin. Um, Brown is, I can't remember the last job he had in England. Um, I, I went off to India, didn't he? Must be where he got that fantastic tan. But um, he, he's kind of <laughs> come, come back into the uh, from the dark, and I, I just I'm not buying it at all because he. I've listened to a few kind of podcasts about the AFL of late, and it's saying that his his kind of philosophy is so opposite to what um, what Mosley was trying to do there, and kind of that that alternate dynamic is just gonna. It, I don't think it's gonna work. So I've kind of looked at their process, and yeah, over the last eight games, the third for xG ratio. So a lot of people will be looking at that and thinking, oh, there could be a big price here. But really, if you'd have been able to get Exeter uh, anything above kind of one to two against Southend a couple of months ago, you'd have been all over it. And really, there's not too much difference in the squad. Uh, And I just think that this managerial move is just going to, it's going to be a bad thing for Southend. And Exeter still... Still got hopes of playoffs. They always seem to get in the playoffs every single year to Exeter. I think they will again, if I'm honest. Um, they've actually got four games left at home, which is, is quite quite a decent 
amount for what for what's left of the season. I'm sure Matt Taylor, the manager, will be looking at that and thinking, well, we've got Southend, we've got Newport, who are in dire form, Grimsby, another team right down there, and Barrow. I, I think that they've got quite a favourable running, and they'll be looking at that and thinking, right, let's just get back to what we're good at. And ultimately, they've got the best XG ratio at home in this entire league, 66% share. 1.71 XG4 per game at home as well. And if Bowman and, and Matt Jay are, are fit, they've got a really classy midfield behind them. Just a team that uh, I really like to kind of get behind at home. Uh, they have won more games than they've not won at home as well, um, but they should have should have had more points on the board, if I'm honest, given their performance levels. So I'd... I've seen kind of them drifting a bit and I can understand that if kind of the syndicates are looking purely at data, purely at uh, XG form, uh, but the, there's kind of dynamics f- further than that that they're probably not looking at and that, that's this what's been going on at, at South End and I think it, it's something that the, the fans aren't really having either and I think it, it could really ruin their season and if if they do, they've only got this themselves to blame of the uh, hierarchy at that club. So yeah, Exeter four to five against Southend. I think that's Saturday. I think that's a lunchtime kickoff as well. Um, so yeah, I think four to five is a, a cracking price with William Hill. Yeah, I'd agree with that too. Uh, Will your favourite fancy of the weekend? Yeah, I'm heading to the the wretched Stad Gaston Gerard in uh, Dijon. Sunday 2 p.m. Yeah, we've we've opposed Dijon recently, and we told him to. I wonder what you're going to end up here. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, They've lost 12 league on games in a row now. Um, 13 in all comps, if you count getting knocked out of the Coupe de France in February. So pretty bad times in Dijon. Um, And their their visitors Nice have hit some uh, pretty solid form, unbeaten in six. Boasting, well, I say boasting, 46% XG ratio actually has them in the top half. Um, but when you compare it, it's obviously below 50%. Guess there's a there's a lot of teams below 50% in, in Ligue 1, largely because of the dominance of a few of the top. But um, yeah, if you compare that to Dijon, poultry, 29% from them. So uh, six games to go, including this one. Should Dijon lose and Nantes and Nimes uh, if if Nantes win and Nîmes draw, then Dijon be relegated this weekend, which, granted, is pretty unlikely. But um, I'm going to back Nice to win at four to five with Sport Nation. Few few bookies have around four to five available, but it looks like it's being cut across the board at at time of recording as this early money sort of flocks to to oppose the bottom dwellers. A um, little bit of little bit of football research done here. I, I've always wondered why they're called it. Um, football Cote d'Or or I've always wondered why they are called Cote d'Or which is Gold Coast because obviously they're not on the coast so I had a little look up this and it's been inspired by the golden hue that takes to the vineyards of the region in the autumn (laughs) (laughs) the French word Cote actually in this case apparently means a slope that geologists usually uh, name with the Spanish word Cuesta so I'd always thought that they, maybe they were just talking about the coast of a riverside or something weird, but um, name comes from that re- that that reason instead. Um, 
They've only been around since 98. And yeah, Les Hebu are currently managed by former player David Linares, who spent uh, five years at the club in the late 2000s, but is probably more well known for his time with Leon um, earlier on in that, just around when Dijon were founded, or they merged basically two clubs in the city um, in, the, in the late 20th century. So he took over from um, Stefan Jobard back in November uh, as Dijon gone 11 games at the start of the season without a win. Um, and interestingly, actually, they got their first win of the season under Linares against Nice. Um, but they were absolutely dominated by uh, Les I. Glom um, as they won the shot. Uh, they won the shot count 24-9 and the corner count 11-1. Um, I can't really see a repeat um, shock victory from, from Dijon here. Um, they won just one of the next 25 matches since that, um, and that was against 18th place Nîmes as well. So, on the other side of things, Nice, um, Adrian Asaya has only been in charge since early December, um, but he has been assistant in the past between 2016 and 2018. And then since then, they've, they've have won seven, drawn five, lost nine record, which I think has been pretty solid given six of those nine defeats have been to the current top seven. So it's been a decent decent patch of form for them. They've got Amin Goiri, um, who's been in great form with, with goals uh, recently, six in his last 10 matches for the for the Cote d'Azur club. And, and yeah, I, I, I can see this uh, losing streak for Dijon probably ending before the season's out. But um, when you're on a 12-loss streak in a row, I'm happy taking quotes of sort of 55% chance of of a win, I think that there's a higher higher percentage chance of a Dijon win. Uh, sorry, a Nice win here um, at four to five. Yeah, with with Sport Nation, I'll, I'll, a few others have got the same price. Yeah, I was looking at this earlier myself. Actually, Nice in that six-game unbeaten streak, they've generated uh, over one and a half expected goals in four of those games as well. So they are creating chances as well as scoring as well. Um, finishing the the season with a flourish, uh, I certainly did like that price myself. Too. Um, but that brings us to all the, the major topics covered. All that's left is to ask you both if there's any other business your end, any bets you haven't been able to mention just yet, which you'd like to share with the listeners. Now is the time. Yeah, I'll jump in. Um, AC Milan versus Genoa, Sunday, 1130. Um, no, just a, a number that jumped out to me when I, when I was looking at the Atalanta Juve game, actually. A, AC have led uh at half time in 17 of their 30 games this season and they've gone on to win all 17 of those matches where they were leading at half time which is quite quite a, a pretty good effort from them considering there's been some dodgy patches of form recently um most of that that success has come away from san siro they've 12 of their 12 of their 15 away games they've won and they've been half time full time double results for their for them so um they will be without Zlatan this weekend as he was sent off for descent. Uh, what I think it was Maresca did not take kindly to to some comments, I think, in the last weekend. Um, uh, but yeah, he's assured he's assured Pioli that uh, he didn't disrespect him. Uh, so above all, they, they kind of have agreed on with that. I think that that was all right. But uh, there had been some good news for Ibrahimovic. He, he's... Um, set to sign another new contract in 2022 but until 2022 he'll be 40 in october which is crazy um but yeah i just uh i like the look of well given that ac are 21 to 20 to win the first half 
um, but have gone on to win every single game that, that they've led at halftime. I quite like the little boost that you get on, on if you look at halftime. Full-time is, is 13 to 10 for AC to, uh, to win at halftime and still be winning at full-time um, compared to just the 21 to 20 for them to win the first half, which which has happened in, in all of these matches. So where they've where they've uh, gone on to win from from both positions so yeah 13 to 10 um i've not written down the bookie actually though i don't know why so you'll have to do a little odds checker job for me i'm afraid uh 13 to 10 ac milan to win half time full time nice one tom yeah just one from me back in in france actually um i think the price about neem to be Strasbourg. This weekend, eleven to four with bet three six five looks a bit too big. Um, it's a, it's a name side that I love to watch. Um, they've been in great form. I'm glad that they've kind of made a real fist of this season. Um, it's it's kind of a run of form that's seen them. Not well. They're only two points away from Lorient now um, on thirty points and I think that they might stay up. To be honest, uh, Lorient. Uh, They've been a bit unlucky of Neem because Lorient have been in good form whilst Neem have been in good form. Um, but yeah, I think that they've got a great shout of staying up. But they're a team that are always good going forward. They're a great watch if you've ever watched them, especially at home. Um, kind of play with such an offensive style. I really like what they've got on the on the left hand side with Berger Melling. The left back, the Norwegian left back, and Zinedine Furhat. Real kind of enjoy enjoy watching them just because they're so direct and they just love to get forward. Furhat cuts in and Melvin goes on the outside. I think the only thing that they've really lacked is a, a proper number nine. Uh, Kone has been the, the man up front for them, but they've not had any, enough goals from him or from any of the strikers at the club. It's kind of been the likes of Renault Ripar from midfield kind of chiming in with goals here and there. But they're, they're on a run, as I mentioned. They've won four of the last eight and they're undefeated in six of those eight, including a win against Lille away from home, which I, I thought was actually deserved. I thought Lille were quite poor that day. Neem were, were good value for that. And the manager, I can't remember what the manager was before, this bloke, but Pascal Planck has come in, I think he was the assistant, and he's kind of just said, I'll, I'll just take up the reins. He's, he's on by far the lowest salary in League On. I think he's on around 70k a year, which is it might sound a lot to us guys, but for a manager of a top flight football club, that's very, very small. Um, and it'll be a real fairy tale if he managed to keep them up um, and this is a game against Strasbourg where I think that they're, they've got a great chance of winning Strasbourg are one of them sides that have could even get dragged into it especially if they did lose this one they're only six points clear um, of Nîmes uh, on level one points with Brest and Bordeaux actually um, so a win for, for Nîmes here makes the relegation battle really interesting in, in League One and I've just not seen enough from them and not enough consistency. Um, they're very kind of functional. They've not got much creativity. And I just think Neem will will be a side that will 
kind of run all over them and and, and overwhelm them. And um, Strasbourg's best player, Simakan, he's gone to Leipzig in the summer. Um, I kind of fear for them next season unless they kind of make a few changes at that club. So, yeah, Neem at 11-4. I mean, you can get him 5-6 to six with a half a goal starting age and handicap, but 11-4 with Bet365 and you get that early payout offer that we've mentioned before. They've got two goals up. I'm going to take a chance on that. I think they've got a great chance. I'd, I'd make this more of a, a pick Lovely stuff. And you got all through that without even mentioning their nickname. Oh, Le Crocodile. <laughs> Beautifully <laughs> said. Um, right, we're going to wrap up there. Some great bets, some great insight, loads of very well-researched selections from the lads, as always. Um, and as always, thank you to you guys, the listeners, too. Uh, if you'd like to give us a bit of social media support, it's always very much appreciated. Uh, makes the hard work that these guys put in all the more worthwhile. But, uh, yeah, as I said, we'll wrap it up there. A big thanks again to the stars of the show, Tom Love. Cheers. And Will Dyer. Cheers, guys. Have a good week. This has been the Wheel of Betting Weekend Preview Podcast. Chat soon.